Welcome to worship at Grace Lincoln. This service was recorded on June 19, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Mark series with a gospel message from Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, titled, Faith Restored.
that we walk with you and in you, rest in you today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray.
a B minus. B minus for your work on an A plus. But uh, hey, we're we're really glad uh, you are here. If you haven't worshipped God again, um, let's just flip it over to the back. And this is not a time to get used to it again. I know I say that, but let's let us just take a deep breath and realize that when we read scripture today, we are saying that it is God's word. And that's not a phrase we use lightly. And I think we, we get familiar with that. But this is God's breath on the page. Like he is speaking. Um, and so uh, let's, let's hear what God says um, in Romans. And really this is a plea. This is a, um, a prayer. Uh, that it, as I read it, you'll say, oh yeah, that might be me this morning. And I didn't pray the same thing. So says this, Romans 12, 9 through 18, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Has anybody ever felt like that? <laughs> my sin is ever before me. My transgressions are ever before me. Against you, and he says, this is really important to get how sin works. Against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So again, we're, we're recognizing that maybe, again, uh, we've had a um, time where our sin is ever before us. And this is a time, guys, we're just going to pause together as a community. Together and say... Hey, Jesus, uh, we're, we're coming to you and we need you to forgive us because we have sinned against an almighty God. But there is marvelous grace. And so I don't know about you, but I need to fall. Let's just fall on his grace in time of silent prayer and confession. Just reach out to me. Love you. Just reach out to me. 
I'm pursuing you, I'm pursuing you. And Father, they would fall. They would surrender into your marvelous arms. And Lord, as we look at the, the world too and everything that might be going on, God, we just lift it to you. We, we know that you are on the throne. <laughs> You're on the throne. Now. And, and I just pray that we would walk through this earth, this, this day, in confidence, in boldness, not in and of our bank accounts, not in and of our job, not even how good our family is, how maybe our appearances, but our confidence would be you. And so renew in that, in us this morning, a confidence in you, Jesus. And we are so thankful for this body and the strengthens in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, the assurance of pardon comes from 1 John chapter 1, 8 through 9. We've read this one actually here before this time. It says, if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So basically it just says, hey, you can come, you can come clean. It's okay. And the truth is not in us. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of what he has done. So let's let's stand, okay? Let's stand and let's sing together this glorious gospel.
Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and turn to the book of the book of the book of Mark. Go to the book of Mark, people. The book of Mark is where we're going to be. Uh, Mark chapter five. Happy Father's Day to you, uh, fathers. You, yeah. It's really just oh, thank you, mothers. Um, but. Uh, if you, if you want um, to follow along, the text is going to be on the, the screen. Um, so you can follow along on the screen. We have a chunk this morning. So I'm just going to dive right in. So we're going to go through 21 through 43 this morning. All right? So Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43. And let's read this. Uh, just sweet, sweet story. Um, so let's go. 21, chapter 5. Here we go. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came out up, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, If I touch even the garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in around you? And yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said, to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of synagogue, and maybe someone just needs to hear this right here this morning. Do not fear. Only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he entered and he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said, 
Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up, began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overwhelmed with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And they told them, this is awesome, and they told them to give her something to eat. That is a great, great story, and um, I cannot wait to unpack it. I'm titling the, the message this morning, Faith Restored. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need some faith. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I need it restored. Turn back to your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you came to church then. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you for this text. Um, I am thankful that we can just sit under it. Oh, it's just so good. And Lord, I know um, your, your spirit came in we just need it. We need the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us good soil this morning. Like may this word fall on soil that is ready. And I pray that we would we would not just be mere listeners. Like we'd just be hearing an amen and a whole great that I get a little, little clapping and this is good. And then we leave out of here unchanged. Don't let that happen. Lord, guard our hearts, guard our minds. And and Holy Spirit, do something that's not on my manuscript. Just just help help, Lord, us to just marvel, just to soak, just to be in wonder and awe, and, and really strengthen our faith. Strengthen it this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, uh, again, happy Father's Day to you, and by God's grace, I actually had a wonderful father, uh, and a wonderful father, and I know that might not be the case for some this morning, and uh, I'll just say, this is just a quick side note, like, our Heavenly Father is a perfect Heavenly Father. And that is who fathers us. Truly. And He's perfect. He's nothing like our... Even the, even the good attributes about our earthly Father are nothing. They, they're just multiplied in our Heavenly Father. So, um, but by God's grace, I had a good Heavenly Father. I mean, a good earthly Father. And I remember when I was a kid, I thought my dad could do anything. Like, anything. Like, it was just... Uh, this guy was like some superhero or something. I mean, he uh, he could uh, fix anything. You know, he just could fix anything. I remember, like, he could drive through snow really fast. My like, dad, what are you doing? Like, this is snow. Son, you just drive through snow, all right, really fast. And like, my dad's great. I thought my dad could beat up anybody. Uh, yesterday, well, one of my kids was like, Dad, look at my muscles. Like, That's great. And I remember my, my dad showing me his muscles, and he was like, dude, look at this. I'm like, man, my dad is buff. And he could take anybody. I remember my dad could pack, listen, this is crazy. This is nuts. He could pack all of us for a trip. And you would look at this thing, and he'd be like, don't take that out. Because if you take that out, this is going to fall. It's like a Tetris thing. I mean, he just... He could pack so well. I mean, we looked like the hillbilly deluxe, though, on vacation sometimes because he could pack anything. I remember my dad, he could, man, he knew where the fish were. He could, like, catch anything and shoot anything. And I was just like, Dad, you know, you know the woods. Like, you're like, my God, like, it's just crazy. But then you grow up. <laughs> uh, you grow up, right? 
And then you quickly realize, uh, maybe then I can't quite do it everything. Uh, and this, like, no respect, to, disrespect to my dad. It's not like I lost respect for my dad, but you just quickly realize he can't because why? You just mature. You get older. You're like, oh yeah, maybe dad can't cook. Uh, he's just not that great. Or dad, you're not that buff. You actually could get beat up by a lot of people. Uh, and, and it's because you just get mature. You just get you just get a little more logical. And you know, I, I was thinking about this. And what's interesting, however, this is just, is the opposite. The opposite is true in our relationship with Jesus. Should be true in our relationship with Jesus. See, the older we get with Jesus, the more mature we get, the, the closer we get to him per se, the, the bigger he should be. And every year, every year we grow, we, he should just be growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it should, we should be like, oh man, he can do anything. He can do anything. And yet, what, ha- what happens though? It's just like, let's be honest this morning, why would we be any other way? We get older, and what we get more cynical. We get a little more cynical. Like, oh my gosh, like, uh, yeah, Jesus healed her, but okay, let's really dissect this passage. Like, did it really, did he like, and we get, we get cold-hearted, and this comes from all of the different, we get burnt by people, we get, we see the world, and maybe we're aware of our sinfulness, and, and I just, this, can I, here, here's what we're going to do. Mark 5 is screaming, hey, get back your childlike wonder again. Mark 5 is screaming, let me, let me show you what faith really looks like. And it, what it really looks like is childlike faith. Childlike wonder. When you look at Jesus and like, man, he can do anything. And so if you come in here this morning and you're like, your faith's rattled. Your faith's like, oh, it's just not... You know what? I don't really think Jesus can do anything. My goal is just to point verse by verse and show you, wait a minute, let's let's see the heart of Jesus again. Again, remember our tag, who is this Jesus? We're asking this throughout all the texts. We're just going to see who Jesus is. And I just pray that it renews our faith. So how how are we going to do that? We're going to look at this. And again, Chuck's here. And we're going to see the first chunk we're going to look at is we can restore our childlike faith, okay? We can restore our childlike faith through our dependency on Jesus and our action with Jesus. So we can restore our childlike faith through dependency on Jesus and our action with Jesus. So let's see this. Let me show you where it's at in the text. Verse 21. So he starts... So Jesus is kind of ping-ponging, like he just gets back again on the other side. And what do we see? Crowds are around him. All right, immediately, this, you just constantly see crowds around him. Verse 22, then, he, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Now, um, this ruler, doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's a, a Pharisee per, per se. Okay, a lot of things. Um, he, he's with them, but he's not like a teaching, acting Pharisee. This ruler of the synagogue would have been the guy that would is he was like uh, the CEO of the board of elders kind of deal. He would he would get the service ready, okay, in the tabernacle. He would get the the service ready, and more than likely he was kind of in charge of the building. Um, but what you need to know about this guy is he was very highly respected, okay. He was uh, high up social ranking, wealth, 
All right? Uh, and so let's look at how this guy comes to Jesus, verse 22. He says, he, he fell down at his feet and implored him. That's just like, that's this idea of begging, imploring. Like, we don't, like, I'm begging. And he says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. See, the Greek is actually really interesting here because this is not like this guy's little daughter is like somewhat sick and needs some help. No, she is like, it's like knocking at death's door is the Greek. However, he's like knock like dead any moment. And what we also find is interesting in Luke's parallel account to this passage is we find that this is this guy's only daughter. Which is, would have been rare in this context. So this is like his prized possession. And he's, she's sick. And he just says, okay, come. Can you just please come lay your hand on her? He's coming to Jesus in humility. Just dependency. He's falling. He's falling and imploring. Now you might think, well, that's not that big a deal. But again, you have to see the context because in this day, men did not ever beg or implore or fall down or show any type of humility like this. And you might be like, well, that sounds like, hey, of course, Father, we don't cry. We're tough. You know, we're Western Kansas men. We don't want to implore people. We don't want to beg. We're tough. Say, be careful with that. Uh, I, I knew a pastor who <laughs> he never wanted to be hugged, and it drove me nuts. I'm like, dude, hug your people. And if I hug you and you don't like hugging, then you just come, you know, after search play. Hey, I actually don't like your hugs. Can you please stop hugging me? I'll stop hugging you, um, but I'm going to keep giving you hugs. Um, I don't know. This is in my nature. But so he he is falling. He is like. Humbly admitting. And see, we're, and here how, here's how this really applies. Here's how this deep, digs down deep for us. And we're going to see this even more fleshed out in a moment. But again, faith. This faith, again, is, is not so much in how much you have this or, or how much you don't have. It's always in the object of your faith. See, this man is looking towards the object of his faith. And what is the object of his faith? It's Jesus. i got to get to Jesus. i just got to get to Jesus. i got to be in front of Jesus. I just Can you just come and lay your hand on It's about Jesus. So this is kind of a side, but I just want to speak to the fathers of this again. Listen, the best thing you can give your family is not, fathers, is not to be a perfect dad. I just got to be perfect. No. You know one of the best things you can show your children is dependency. Is falling in surrender and saying, oh my goodness, I can't actually do this. Admitting you can't do it. And there's always someone who can. Listen, desperation always leads to dependence. And this guy is in desperate. When you get to the end of your rope, that is a grace of God. And he, this is a grace. 
You might be like, this is rough. Like, why would he, like, this is a grace because it's getting him to the end of himself again and it's making him fall and surrender. And so faith looks like dependency. Faith looks like I'm giving up. Faith looks like I'm giving up on this and I'm putting my attention on the object and it's Jesus. Now, this is really interesting. Mark's going to do something and you got to bear with me. I better put your seminary hats on for just a second. Mark, the structure of this passage is what we call intercalation. Everybody say intercalation. There you go. You went to seminary. Okay. So uh, basically what this means is it, it's a, it's, if you look at it, there's three paragraphs in this passage, right? And so this is famous in Mark. He'll take one narrative and then he'll put another narrative in there and then he'll come back to that other narrative. And we, this is called, you know, really the... the Sandwiching, we just you're sandwiching two stories and the meat. Okay, a good sandwich has good meat in the middle. The meat is what we're about to get to, and and really, the the meat is explaining the other two narratives. Okay, so we're he's going it's Jarius, 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 and then now we're getting to this woman. It's like where did this woman come? And then we're going to go back to Jarius. So let's get to the woman and. There's, there's a reason Mark's doing this. We're going to get to this at the end of the sermon. So here we go. Then it says, So a huge crowd comes around Jesus, verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, uh, I don't know. Some, some scholars thought, oh, this is what it is. And they said the disease. I don't really know. Like, I don't feel confident to tell you exactly what the disease was. She's bleeding a lot, 12 years. It's very painful, but even worse, even worse, is that we know from Leviticus 15 that a discharge of blood, having been someone who was bleeding, like you had, you were outside the worshiping community. You couldn't come in the worshiping community. Like, nope. So we're going to add to her problem here, saying she's not bleeding. And get this, she couldn't be touched. Now, some of you are like, don't touch me for 12 years. Yeah, I love it. But you know, imagine not being touched for 12 years. 12 years, not being touched, outside the community, bleeding. And if that's not worse, let's look at the text. We learn um, not only this, that the physicians couldn't help. And this isn't a bag on physicians. This is like, they just didn't understand. They just didn't really understand how to treat this. And she suffered under it. It's like, we don't know how to treat this. And then, and then look, this is, she spent all she had. Outside the community, isolated, bleeding, gone to physicians, spends her bank account. Imagine the whole of the state of this woman. And then she's like, if I can just, like I can't look Jesus in the eye, but maybe if I just touch his, maybe I just touch his body. And she does. And the text says, Jesus perceives power who come out of him, and he asks, who touched me? And the disciples, they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, oh, the disciples, ah. You just cringe sometimes when you read them, you're like, oh, man. They're just not elevated, <laughs> you know. And what is really amazing is Jesus is fishing out a confession here. He's really fishing out a confession for this woman. I mean, he, he's Jesus. 
okay, I'm pretty sure you know priest power come on out, you knew who it was. He's fishing out confession, and I kind of like this. Um, like when we had Oreos in the house, and I wish we had Oreos in the house a little more. Maybe I'll send them by man up, father's day, buy some Oreos, double stuff. But when we had Oreos in the house, and uh, you know how they had a little people thing back, and and you know, I, I open the drawer and I see the the, the people things come back. I'm thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who got the Oreos? Okay? Alright, who? And I go downstairs and I see a little, little black, little residue around the mountain. You know what I say? Okay, uh, who got the Oreos? I know who got the Oreos. It's evident right there. Who got the Oreos? But what am I looking for? I'm looking for, oh, God, I love you. I'm so sorry. No, I am. I'm looking for, hey, a minute. You got the Oreos. Come clean. I'm fishing out of confession. And, and yeah, you're laughing because this happens. <laughs> um, because, and listen, like, this is what Jesus is doing. He wants her to confess. He wants to take her deeper. He, he wants to take her even deeper. He wants, a, he wants her, her faith to get public. And, and it does. And she came down, look at, she came down and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I love that. Circle that in your Bible. The whole truth. When you come into contact with Jesus, you come clean. Okay, all right. Jesus, woo. This is Jesus, all right. Whole truth. Here it is. Uh, I'm actually the one who touched you. Oh, man. And listen to how he responds. Daughter. Daughter. Everybody say daughter. There you go. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus calls her daughter. He's being tender. And when he says your faith has made you well, you can circle that. That well in Greek is saved. And it's this idea of not just physical. There was a, there was a spiritual reality in this woman. She is being saved. It wasn't just a physical healing, but a healing of the heart. And here's, here's again how this stuff gets deeper into our hearts, how this gets our faith moving. I want you to know this, the boldness of this woman's faith. See, many were uh, bumping into Jesus, right? Maybe bumping shoulders with Jesus, coming alongside Jesus, bumping into him. But it was only this woman who's like, I've got to touch him. I've got to move in action. I've got to get to him. And listen, the sad reality is, there are some in the church, and we do this, is we just like bumping into Jesus. Like, I'm not coming to church just because it's a social thing, or maybe I'm bored, or whatever. And I'm not going to remember, like, I just want a little bump. And, and you might not, you come like that, you might. <laughs> That's not the position of a heart. We, we come and say, okay, you want to know who Jesus is closest to? It's like the person who's coming in here this morning. It's like, man, I can't even, I can't even look. I can't even look up. I am, I, 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 I am so full of shame and I can't even look up. But if I could just get in there and if I just could get around Jesus, then I just, that is who Jesus says, okay, where's power's going on for me? That is who he's like, yes, yes, that's how you come. It's, it's an attitude of, Faith involves this attitude of action where it's like, get away from your truck. Like, I just got to get to Jesus. And then, 
Notice this, the second thing about how we are, our faith, our childlike faith can be stirred up a little bit is we can restore our childlike faith through trusting in Jesus' timing. Everybody say timing. There you go. Trusting in Jesus' timing. Because look at, the text goes on and it gets, so the sandwich is over, this woman's been healed, okay? And then it's going to go back to Jerry's. Okay, it says, while he was still speaking, there came from this, verse 35, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't fear, only believe. That could be a whole sermon series in and of itself. Beautiful. But you have to see, this woman's story interrupts Jairus. Can you, okay, now, again, put yourself in Jairus' spot. Okay? My daughter, you've you got some young kids. I'm going to imagine my, my kids are on the verge of death. You're going along, and then all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, what are you stopping for? This woman, this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. What's the deal? Like, this is a more urgent need. My daughter is dying. You're stopping this. What are you doing? I'm sure he was like, what? I mean, I would have been, I would have been like furious. Like, what are you doing? I mean, imagine this. Imagine an ambulance, okay? Who had a girl in there, 12 years old, and was bleeding. Just uncontrollably. Gotta get to the hospital. Or she's gonna die. And she's flying down the road, and the ambulance driver gets to this intersection where this beggar had been for 12 years. Everybody knows this beggar's name. He's been begging for 12 years. And all of a sudden, the ambulance driver pulls over. He pulls over, and he gets out. He just starts talking to the beggar. Sure, I got this book. People like, hey, moron, get in the ambulance. This girl is a, like, you're stopping for a, yeah, a smaller need, but there's a more urgent need. There's a more urgent need. And you're, what are you doing? And see, here's, I read this. And I thought, oh my gosh. I started kind of giggling to myself because I'm like, yep, that's life of Jesus. Jesus hardly ever acts and moves like we think. <laughs> we, he always moves in his timetable. And I was thinking about it, and, and maybe you've been praying. Listen, you've been praying and praying and praying, which you feel like is an urgent need. Like, this is life and death. Like, Jesus, don't you know this is an urgent need? And you look around, and you see all these smaller needs being met. Jesus is meeting every, like some of these other smaller needs, and he's coming around, and you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you understand? Like, this is an urgent need. And my encouragement to you this morning Yes, Jesus does care, and Jesus is acting in his timetable. Do not give up faith. You know, waiting on the Lord is one of the hardest things about faith, and one of the most glorious things about faith. Waiting on the Lord, it says it renews our strength. Waiting on the Lord, and so as you wait, it, because as you wait, it's again, it's like, okay. 
getting eyes off of me and I'm putting them onto you. And so, look how, again, Jesus responds to this man who thought, what are you doing? He says, don't fear, only believe. So are you, is that where you're at, maybe? Again, maybe you're just like, you've been crying out, praying, this is emergency, and it's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Well, don't fear. Only believe. He is working in his time. Do not give up hope. His timing is perfect. He's way more wiser. I don't know if you know this or not. Way more wiser than you. You might think, oh, this is a, this is a perfect time. Jesus no, time. no his time is perfect. As we can see, because the final thing I want to show you is we can restore our childlike faith through Jesus' powerful heart. His heart. Because you really see Jesus' heart as that story ends. Verse 37, he actually goes into the house. He and he and this is you can circle this too. This is another important part that Jesus does. He takes who? He takes Peter, James, and John. You remember that seems a little exclusive, uh, but Jesus is actually painting a scene of deep discipleship. You can be close with a lot of people in church, but you need a close group. You need people who you like. I am discipling. I am pouring into, and so he's like, you constantly see him taking Peter, James, and John, and he's like, I'm going to take you. I'm walking. I'm going to pour into you, and he's so he takes them, and then they come into the house. Verse 38, and Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. Now this is. This was a new learning for me. Uh, the, the, the Jews, okay, they would literally pay professional mourners for funeral services. So, like, to help the family mourn. So they would call these people in, and then just to cry, just to weep, just to be loud. And, and, and so th that's what we, we find here. So they think, listen, they think it's a done deal. Jesus might have could have healed the disease, but he, no, he can't, obviously, he cannot raise the dead. She's done, so let's bring in the mourners, let's start crying, and, and this is how Jesus kind of responds to that. Verse 39, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. So sleeping was a euphemism for, for, for death. So she's maybe physically dead, but not spiritually, and they said, and they circled us in the text, they laughed at him. They laughed at him. With radical faith, listen, 21st century church, radical faith is going to look silly to a world. Radical faith in Jesus is going to cause us to be mocked, and I'm just, again, how much are we allowed, like, are we, we can't, Radical faith, trusting in Jesus, is going to cause them like, what? That's just sick. Like, what? And so, happened to Jesus. And again, look here. Then Jesus puts the people outside, takes the inner three again, and the father and the mother. Verse 41, taking her by the hand, he says, and this is Aramaic, you know, what's Aramaic? This would have been the... The, the language of the day that they would have spoken. And so he speaks Aramaic here, Tatha Kumi, which I'm going to unpack in just a second, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. 
And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years of age. Everybody is 12 here. Very 12. Couple? Okay, great. Okay. And, and they immediately overcame with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Now, this word Tabitha, okay, uh, we just lose a lot of stuff in translation sometimes. This would have been the most tender, like this would have been like him saying little lamb, like the most tender of words. Like think modern day context is like, hey, sweetheart. And I, and I even think about this like on the edge of, sitting on the edge of uh, the bed of Ellie and I kind of just wake her up and like, hey, sweetheart, just, just wake up. Jesus comes in tender care and says, hey, sweetheart, wake, arise, like, give up. And then look into the text. Jesus wants to prove that this was a physical resurrection because he's like, oh, um, you got any Oreos in the house? Let's go. No, they didn't have Oreos, kids, back in that day. Okay, no, no confusion. But he's like, hey, let's give her something to eat. Why? Again, why is that there? Because again, Jesus is showing this is a physical resurrection, but it's also showing this. Jesus cares about the small details of your life, people. The smallest details of your life. Don't ever think, oh, Jesus is too sovereign, too good for that. No, come to him. It doesn't matter. He's, getting, he's like, the girl's hungry. Let's feed her. And as I close here, he was ultimately showing, we've been seeing this through chapter 4, and we're going to end it in 5, and next week we're going to, it's going to shift directions to unbelief. But he's been showing us his power. And ultimately, guys, he showed us his power over disease and death. I don't know about you, but my goodness, why are we not praying more for people who are diseased and who, I mean, what? yes, it's the same Holy Spirit. He has power over disease and death. That's ultimately what he's showing us. But again, we got to get to the sandwich. The intercalation that you guys all remember. Like, what is the meat? What is the, the primary thing? And I want you to show, I want to show you something in closing. Why would Mark sandwich the bleeding woman with the story of Jairus? And again, to help you understand how intercalate, what what do the two uh, stories have in common, and what do they, what do they differ, and where they differ, that's where we focus, and that's the meat. The meat is the woman, and so where where are they? Where are they similar? And this is interesting. The woman had been bleeding for twelve years. Did you notice? She's twelve. Both involved the healing. Both were unclean. Both involved Jesus' touch. But have you caught the difference? Where's the difference? The difference is Jairus is from a high social, economic. He's even given a name in this text. Jairus. He's wealthy. He comes in honor. He comes maybe even knowing the scripture. Where this woman's not even given a name. And she is unclean, unworthy, and she comes 
in shame. She comes in shame. And really, here it is. This is where, again, faith begins. She is, she is in a way saying, hey, Jairus, you have some faith, but take even more than Jesus had to, Jesus even had to say, oh, to, don't fear, only believe. He, really, her faith is elevated because she's coming. I've got nothing to offer. Christianity is not a new, it's not one of other just many religions where we have just a little bit better philosophy. We have, uh, we, we're more, we put our brains together, we're, we have better ethics, better system, like some of those, yes, are true, but do you understand, listen, Christianity is about a person. Christianity is about the object of our faith. Not even maybe how much faith we have, but it's about Jesus. <laughs> and how do we come to Him? We come like this passage paints. We come like we sing. Are you weary? Broken hearted? Come to Jesus, rest in Him. Are, are you heavy laden? Do you know why I love Christianity? Do you want to know why this is, just pumps me up and it makes me just furious when other people say, oh, you got to do this, you got to come, you got to... It's because this is why I love it because do you know anybody can fall? <laughs> anybody can surrender? Anybody can just lean in This is our response. And notice, we can again come like that, and Jesus might not heal the, the physical around, Jesus might not, but we come falling, trusting, okay, he's got it, and he's already healed the, the problem of the world. He's already healed the reason why it's windy and not raining here and other places, why the creation's broken. He's already dealt with the deepest intercessory parts of your guilt, your shame on the cross. So you can fall. You can surrender. You can say, okay, I'm just coming. I'm coming to him and I'm just need to touch the edge because it's about him. Your, our Jesus is just that powerful and just that good. So, family, do not fear. Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Jesus, I pray that we would just come more like this. Jesus, just thank you for your powerful word, your, your tender care. Father, I pray if there is someone who feels like 
the bleeding woman just shame. Uh, coming in here just just can't even look up. But they just in their heart they're like, can I just get near him? What will he heal it? Father, remind them right now that that's who you're closest to. Yes, you're saying that to him. Yes, I can heal you. Yes, I can restore you. Yes, because I've conquered the grave. I went to the cross for you. And yes, you can walk in freedom. I love you. And I pray that Jesus didn't surrender. They would rest in you. Help us to sit, to soak, to Savior, and just renew in us. The, the most serious of Christians in here have been Christian a long time. Maybe we've tried, started to calculate everything. Help us, sister. Would you just renew us wonder, awe, excitement, zeal, passion for you, your power. Not us, not in our great our faith, but in you. May this church be a Jesus. Do we be obsessed with you, Jesus? May we be on fire for you. And in your power and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I'm fire. Okay, all right. Um, as, we, as we approach this table, I thought about it in this text again, text to table, when you think about um, how these, these people respond uh, to and how they come to Jesus. I thought, this is exactly how we come to the table. How do you come to the table? Oh, broken. I, I need I need this. And you think about something that restores your faith. Like this, like Calvin would say, the spirit is here at present in the in the, the elements where it's like he's they're actually strengthening your union with them. They're actually this is not to be coming to um, again, we don't come to the table like the crowds were like, okay, let's communion. Put my nails, like, hurry up. But we come to this table like <laughs> this is Jesus. Like, can I just touch the edge of his throat? And so again, this table, let me let me read the words of the institution. For I received when I delivered you the night on the night that he was betrayed, he took Jesus took bread. And he, after he given thanks, he, he said, this is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is, this is the cup. And the new covenant, which, do this, take this, drink, do this as in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant in my blood. And I want to remind you too that like Jesus is saying this, this is this is his table, this is his invitation. It's not the table of grace making, it's or EPC or whatever. It, this is for the believer. This is for those who say, I'm walking in relationship with Jesus. I know he has died for my sin, and I mean it. I mean it. I'm coming weary. I come broken. Again, if you're not, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, if you've not surrendered to the worship of Jesus, and said, I believe this is, I'm just asking you not to partake, but right now in your pew to surrender. 
right now say, okay, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Will you forgive me? Will you heal me? Will you restore me? I believe in you, the Lord of my life. Please do not leave here without doing that. If that is what the Spirit's been doing in your life, trust Him. Trust Him. And so again, we use the teaching. So that means you're just going to come up here. We're going to be over here. And you're just going to tear a piece of the bread and you're going to dip it into the cup and then return to your pews. And I forget to say this every week, we have gluten-free option up here as well if you would like to partake in that. So let's pray one more time. Lord, prepare our hearts. Help us to uh, come to this table in need. Would you bless these, these simple elements and Lord, use it as your spirit does. Thank you for giving us this sacrament. Thank you for giving it in a way of us remembering this is our source of power. This is where it binds us together. It's your life, death, burial, and resurrection through Jesus. And so, thank you. In Jesus' name. Okay. When your heart is ready, come forward.
forward to your God. Nothing else can compare. Thank you that we can trust you because you bled for us. Hmm. Oh, Father, you are so good. You are so good. And I just want to say thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Holy Spirit, remind us continually of your great sacrifice. Jesus, love you. pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God and, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So giving is a sacrifice. It is a way of, again, um, just like preaching or whatever, it's, it's a worshipful act and it's pleasing to God because you're, you're doing what the text said. We're responding in faith. It's, it's a way of Saying, oh, you got this. It's space. So if your your heart's stirred to give to the glory of God, then there is a black box as you exit to the left. Gives you ways to give online. And then there's also, you can put your checks and deposits in there. Make the checks out to Grace Lake. And so, again, I encourage you to do so. Um, and so... With that, though, I invite you to stand and sing our closing song together, Christ our Lord, and life and death.
Amen. You guys are so good. Amen. Amen. Okay. Receive this benediction from 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com.